Together, we serve the persecuted church. Fantastic. Well, friends, we'd love to invite you next week to hear Mike Gore. Um, he's always challenging uh, and, and always this sense of deep inspiration that we unify with believers all around the world. As I said earlier, my name is Michael, and uh, I'm so excited whether you're joining us online or in the room. Uh, thank you for all your well wishes. For those of you here last week, you know I had COVID a week ago. Uh, I, I don't think I have COVID anymore. They released me from isolation. I probably shouldn't say I don't think I have COVID anymore. I don't have COVID anymore. We're doing really well. Um, but, you know, it's an interesting week. And I just wanted to say in light of that, I just want to say thank you to you as a church and to those of you joining us online for the way that you have just walked with this last couple of years with us. It's been really disruptive. Um, there are some people like, oh, we shouldn't have closed when you closed, or we wish you'd stayed open, or you should have shut early. And just whatever it's been, you've just been with us following faithfully what God is doing in our community. I just want to say thank you. It's been such an honor to serve this community, to be leading this community, and to see your fearless passion for the gospel and the kingdom of God, no matter what is happening in our world. May it continue. Amen? Yeah. Amen? Yeah. Come on, 9 a.m. I think I was here in St. George louder than I was hearing you guys. So... Guys, really excited to be with you today, but um, if I could just be honest, it's been one of those weeks uh, where it's just like, it, it's just been a little bit difficult. I think there's been a bunch of spiritual uh, warfare going on in our team. I just love to start with prayer. I just need God to really come and aid us with His strength and His presence. So wherever you are today, if you're a Christian, would you join with me and pray that God would speak in our midst today? God, more than anything, I just want to pause and acknowledge that in this room, in St. George, in rooms all across Australia, Lord, your presence is at work right now. I thank you so much that you didn't rock up today because we chose the right songs, because it was convenient, but Father, because you've always been present, calling your people into mission into life, into community, stirring us again today, mighty God. By your grace, may we hear your voice. May we sense your call. Would you lead us? We thank you for your peace, for your goodness, and I pray, as always, less of me, more of you, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 I was, uh, over the period where I was at home in isolation, I was able to watch a couple more movies than I usually would. Uh, so and I actually don't actually own a TV, so it's rare for us to have extended time where we're watching TV, but I figured being sick was a good reason. And I found myself re-watching a, a favorite movie of mine. I'm not sure if you've seen it. It's a movie called Troy with Brad Pitt. Has anyone seen Troy with Brad Pitt? That's awesome. There's this great scene in the beginning of Troy where it gets me every time where Brad Pitt turns around to his, uh, his group of soldiers, these, these Greek phalanx, and they're rowing into a beach. And he points towards the beach, and he looks at his men, and he says, Do you see that beach, men? Do you know what lays just beyond those shores? And there's this moment where, like, in, at least this happens to me, I'm like, what lays beyond those shores, Brad? Tell me. And he holds out his sword, and he looks at them, and he's looking in the camera, so I feel like he's looking at me. He's like, Immortality! Take it. It's yours. And everyone's like, yeah. And I'm in my living room like, yeah. And they're like coughing my lungs out. And there's this moment where something rises in you when he's saying this. I was thinking to myself, why is that? Why do we watch these movies? Why do we watch these stories? 
And then someone speaks, like has an amazing speech and it rises in us. Or a beautiful romantic moment makes us swoon. Or these moments where we get lost in what a character is saying. I just got to realize what he's calling his men into, what he was calling me into, was a greater story. He was saying there is something greater just beyond this horizon. Will you join me as we pursue it? And I realized that actually I think this is a human longing. That humans are longing for a greater story. Humans are longing to live a greater story than the one that sometimes they have been given. And I wanted to ask really quickly today, what kind of story are you living? What kind of story are you living? Maybe for some of you, you feel like you're living a Greek tragedy some days. You're like, man, life just doesn't work out for me. Some of you might feel like you're living a story of a comedy of errors. If you're like me, where your clumsiness seems to just go before you throughout your life, and you break and stuff, and maybe it's a rom-com, maybe it's a drama, but what kind of story are you living? And here's what I want to talk about today. What does it look like to live a great story? What does it look like to live a great story? Because here's what I believe. All of us are not called to our own individual stories. We are called to a common story that has a common end, has a common beginning, a common savior, and a common narrative that began before you, but includes you. There is a great story, friends, that we are invited into that is far greater than Brad Pitt pointing his finger at you saying, immortality, take it, it's yours. It's eternity, and it is here, and we are woven into it. Friends, what story are you living today? I think there's something intrinsic in the human heart that we all long. This is why we get so lost in Hollywood movies, why we have Netflix, because we actually love escaping into great stories. But my belief of the Christian is that we have been called to live out one of the greatest stories that plays out the greatest rescue mission of all time. And I don't know where you are today. Maybe you're struggling with a sense of meaninglessness in your life. Maybe you feel untethered from purpose and calling. Maybe there's a sense of mundane routine to what happens day in and day out. And when I talk about a great story, there is a longing in you that something would be different, that something would shift. And today, I have good news because I believe that there is a story that you are called to be a part of that is greater than anything Hollywood could produce. A guy named Alistair McIntyre says this, I can only answer the question of what am I to do with my life if I can first answer the question Of what story do I find myself a part? What story are you a part of this morning? Now, to unpack this, I want to tell you of a moment when Peter reminds a church in the New Testament of a story that they're a part of. There's a moment in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 to 10, where he writes to a church of Gentile believers. Now, to say Gentile means pretty much these guys were not Jewish, that they had come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior and the God of the Israelites as their God as well, but they weren't from Jewish backgrounds. And Peter is writing this letter that, that, that we find in the New Testament to this church that is suffering. This church is in a moment of obstacles and of pain. Life is not going well for them. And you get this sense as you read the letter that Peter is trying to remind them, no matter what you're facing, no matter how meaninglessness life may feel, no matter how difficult it may seem what you're walking through right now, you are part of a greater story than just what's happening in this moment. Hold firm to the faith. And so he writes this part in this great line in 1 Peter 2 verse 9 where he kind of encourages them and he says, But you 
are a chosen people, Peter writes, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praise of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Now, what's Peter doing here? Well, it sounds like he's just encouraging. This is really lovely. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. But if you actually know what Peter is saying here, he is repeating words that were actually said thousands of years before this moment. He's saying words to Gentile believers that is saying, ultimately, do you know that you are being woven into a greater story than just what is happening in your life? In fact, these words can first be found thousands of years in a book called Exodus, the second book in the Bible, where God speaks to Moses and he says, Now, therefore, if you indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, we hear the same language. You shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for the earth is mine. You shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Thousands of years before Peter wrote to the church, God speaks these words to Israel, and we read them again. Why? Does God just forget and start to repeat himself after a period of time? Why is he being so repetitious? Because what God is aiming to do is weave all of humanity back into the story that he is authoring, that he is writing. Friends, do you know the story you're a part of? Do you know the story that spans far greater than your life? The story that started before you and will go on long after you are gone. A story that speaks of a great rescue mission that began back in Genesis chapter 1. That in Genesis 1, we believe as Christians, I mean, I think many of us here would be familiar that God created the heavens and the earth and he called it three people. And he called it, and he called it good. He created all things. That was so discouraging as a pastor then. I'm just like, whoa, cool. We're going to go Genesis again next week. Genesis 1. And he called it good. But he didn't just create animals and, and creatures and, and, and plants. He created male and female to be his image in the world as co-rulers and co-reigners. We were created that we might co-rule the world with God, multiplying and being fruitful, taking dominion and seeing God's beauty take over this earth. That's what Genesis reminds us of. But we know the story doesn't stay there. That in Genesis chapter 3, no matter the fact that God himself said, come and co-rule with me, come be my image in the world, we said, God, I don't want to co-rule with you. I want to rule instead of you. I want my story. I want my story to be the one that's the great one. I don't want to walk in your story. I want to build greatness for myself. And in Genesis chapter 3, we know how the story rolls. There's rebellion in the world. Man walks away from God. And we look at Adam and Eve and we can accuse them. But as we learned last year in Genesis, friends, this is all of us. Do we not all want our own story to be great? Do we not all want our lives to be well known, that we would have fame, that we would have fortune, that we would have a great kingdom? And at this at the heart is, is the problem of humanity, of selfishness. And so we see the world broken from what God intentionally created. And, and the question we have to ask is this, what does God do in response? Last year, we spent the whole year reading the Bible together. And it was beautiful as people started to realize that there is a purpose and a rhythm and a repetition to what God is seeking to do in the world since that moment. That since humanity decides to not just break the human heart with sin, not just break the very fabric of creation so that entropy and decay and death were in our world, the way God chose to respond is He launched the greatest rescue mission of all time. 
And what he began to do was he began to seek for a people who would help reconcile the world back to its original created order. Genesis 4 all the way through to 11, he continues to try and redeem humanity, calling them back into relationship with him, to walk with him. And eventually in Genesis 12, which we're about to do a series on in a couple of weeks' time, he comes across a man named Abraham and he says, I will call this people through this man's family that they will bless the world and they will reconcile the world back to myself as I see Abraham's family be a blessing to the nations. But if you've read the story of Abraham, you and I know Abraham doesn't get it right. His children continue to fall short. So God delivers Abraham's descendants, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And he says, once again, I will set aside a people for one purpose, to join me on a rescue mission of reconciling the world back to myself, redeeming all things. That's why we get Exodus 19 verse 5 when he says, you are my special possession. I will use you as a kingdom of priests to bless the nations that the world might know there is a good God with a good story. But then what happens is what has always happened in humanity. His humanity changes the plans of God, even though the plans of God don't change. Humanity gets obsessed with our own mission, our own life, our insular need to make ourselves great, rather than going, God, what are you up to in the world? And the rest of the Old Testament is just story after story after story of man failing God as he's trying to redeem and reconcile the world. So what does he do? He does his fate accomplished. He does the biggest act he can. He steps in and becomes human himself. He says, let me show you what it means to enact the mission of God in a beautiful way. And Jesus becomes a human, God-made man, fully God and fully human. He walks the earth and lives in such a way where everything Jesus starts, starts, starts to be reconciled and redeemed and renewed. He brings healing. He brings grace. He starts to weave rumors of a new kingdom and a new age. And then this moment happens when Jesus ascends to heaven. And what descends is the power of the Holy Spirit And what is left in place of Jesus' ministry is the ministry of a group of people called the church. And what we see is that what God began back in Genesis 4 of seeking a people to be on mission with him, he is fulfilling by calling out a group of people that by the blood of Jesus Christ have been redeemed and by the power of the Holy Spirit have been sent. And see, it leads us to ask this question, friends, what are we doing here? You drove in crazy weather. Why? Some of you are like, I don't know, man. You're shouting a lot and I'm regretting it. (laughs) Why are we here? Are we here just to have a service? Is church just about belonging? Is it just about me not being lonely on a Sunday morning and seeing some songs that I like and feeling encouraged? And I think, yeah, all those things are good things. But they're not the ultimate reason why the church exists. The church exists not because we are a building, not because we are a service, but we are a people on the move and we are a people on mission. And there is this sense in us where I believe God is wanting to stir in new life again, a conviction that what he began in the Old Testament, he is continuing in and through us. This is what Peter's trying to do. He's trying to say, guys, I know it's hard. I know life is difficult. I know it's not always easy being a Christian. But hear this. You are part of a story that started before you. It'll finish after you, but it includes you and you have a role and a place to play. You are a royal priesthood. You're a chosen generation. You're a holy nation. You are God's special possession. Peter is calling the church back. 
He's giving them an identity, chosen generation, access and calling, royal priesthood. He's giving them a new community, which is not about race, which is not about geopolitical boundaries. They're a holy nation. He's giving them a relationship, these special possession to God. Why? That they might declare the goodness of the one who called them out of darkness into his glorious light. Why are you here today? Because here I've got bad news, friends. There's a deep problem with Vision Sunday. We rock up and we think, well, Vision Sunday is all about us hearing new life's new vision, new life's new mission. This year, I've, I want to let you into seeing the emperor has no clothes. We don't have a new vision. We don't have a new mission. We don't have a new purpose. Let me pray. No, I'm kidding. It's like, well, awesome. And the reason why I say this is because I think we get so fixated on what's the new thing. What's the new thing? And, and, and I just sense that God's saying to us, I'm doing what I've always done. The kingdom hasn't changed. It's growing. The vision hasn't shifted. It's the same. I'm looking for a people not to invite me into their mission, but to be willing to step into mine. Christopher Wright says this, it is not so much the case. That's, this slide is called my, called my wake-up slide. In case you're asleep, you're like, whoa, it's a caffeine hit. It is not so much that the, ca- the case that God has a mission for his church in the world as that God has a church for his mission in the world. Mission was not made for the church, friends. The church was made for mission. I'm watching Band of Brothers with my, with my wife at the moment, which is a TV series about Easy Company in World War II, this group of brave soldiers. And what you, we're watching episode one, it just hits me. Episode one kind of jumps through three years of training that these American soldiers go through. And at the end of their training, they get told about Normandy. They get told about D-Day. They get told about that they are you know, going to go and push the Nazi, uh, the, the Nazi military back on the streets of Normandy, on the streets of Omaha and Utah Beach. And I was sitting there thinking... Man, the people who knew about this invasion, they knew about it three years ago. They didn't train Easy Company up, these group of soldiers, and then go, well, it's 1944. What do we reckon we should do with these guys? Like, we should find them something to do now that they're trained. No, they're like, no, there is a cause and there is a purpose. There is an evil in the world that needs to be pushed back. So what are we going to do? We need to go find soldiers. We need to go train them that we might deploy them for the mission. The mission began before the training. The mission started before the soldiers. Why do I say this, friends? You were not saved, and then God started to go, what should I do with your life? Now you're here, I should find something for you to do. No, God tells us that actually before we were born, he knew the good works that he had for us in Ephesians chapter 2. That actually there has always been a mission. God was not sitting twiddling his thumbs going, hmm, what would work well for you? He has a plan. He has a mission. And it's not a mission that's about, hey, God, you come do my thing. God's saying, hey, I'm at work right now. Are you ready to be a part of what I am doing? Friends, we do not have a mission. The mission of God has us. And that is so important for us to recognize. So my, ask, my question is, what is the story you're a part of? What are you living? Because I believe, friends, that the blessing of knowing that there is a great story we are called into is a rude awakening to the fact that you are not the hero of the story. Now, that might be a shock, but it's also a great relief. No one is looking to you to save the world. That's already happened. The hero of the world is calling your name. His name is Jesus, and he's saying, hey, I want you to come and be a part of what I'm doing. I want you to come and be on a mission with me. 
See, I believe Christians without purpose are merely Christians who aren't reading the Word of God. Because the Word of God is so clear that there is a mission that has been being enacted since Genesis 3 all the way through to now. For the mission of God didn't start with us, but it continues with us. This is what we're doing here. This is called the second wake-up slide of the morning. We start with four things, friends. Can we just all admit that none of this is new? If you're talking to people in another church being like, we're about gathering the lost, they're not going to be like, what? That's so radical. God has always been about gathering the lost. He's always been about gluing people in community. He's always been about growing people as disciples and forming them to be more like his son. And he's always been about the last priority for us today, going on mission. This is the call of the Christian. This is what we're called to do. This is why in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, it says that Christ has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That Christ isn't called, he is not the only one working on reconciliation, which is restoring all things. He's given you. Wherever you are hearing my voice in St. George or in this room, you have been entrusted with God's ministry of reconciling the world to himself. And it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it goes on and he says, we are ambassadors for Christ so that God might plead through us. Think about that. Tomorrow morning, there is a mother in this room right now who's going to go to a playgroup. And God is pleading through you. There is a lawyer going to sit across the table in a really tense conversation, handling things I would have no idea how to handle, contracts or, or torts or, or things that would just you know, confuse me. And you need to know that in that room, God is pleading through you. That if you are a Christian and a follower of Jesus, he has entrusted the ministry of reconciliation to you. That wherever you are, you are the hands and feet of God and God is using you as his case for existence and good intention and plan for the world. This is what it means for us to be on mission because you have not been saved to be seated, friends. You've been saved to be sent. You have not been saved to be seated. You've been saved to be sent. So what does this mean? J.D. Greer says it like this. Each believer is called to leverage his or her life for the spread of the gospel. As we said earlier, the question is no longer whether we are called, only where and how. You're either the missionary or you're the mission field. Sometimes I fall into the trap of thinking that missionaries is our good friend Dina, who is our missions partner over in Bosnia-Herzegovina where she leads summer camps for children who are part of you know, the war-torn fracturing that's happened in that country. And, she's, she's, and I'm like, well, Dina's a missionary. So let's commission her, resource her, and she's on mission. I think that the missionaries, uh, Stu and Joe Herschel are there over in Cambodia, our mission partners there, who are you know, doing great work at the YWAM base in Batambong, or, or the, our missionaries, Arose and Polito, who are you know, helping orphans in, in slums. And can I be honest, these guys are on the front lines, and they are missionaries. But the problem is, is that they would say this too, is that we don't think that we are missionaries as well. Mission is not something we pay a plane ticket to go do. It is something that all people who call themselves following Jesus, as followers of Jesus, are constantly on. If you woke up this morning, your feet hit the ground. You're on mission, friends. Jim Elliott says it like this. He says, quite frankly, missionaries are very human folks just doing what they are, simply a bunch of nobodies trying to exalt somebody. That's what I want new life to be described like. We're just a bunch of nobodies. Hey, it's not about me. But man, the stuff we're doing is because we want to exalt somebody. Why do we care about justice? Because God cares about justice. 
Why do we have an emergency food service here on the Gold Coast? Because God wants us to provide for the needy. Why, why do we do the work that we do? Why, why is the work of New Life Care with Crossroads on Friday so important to us? Because we believe God cares about people with disabilities. Why do we do these things? It's because this is what it means to be on mission. Mission isn't just inviting people to Alpha. It's saying, God, what does the reconciling work of God look like right here and now in our world? You know, it grieves my heart. Brett Lush, who's the um, EO executive officer of New Life Care, was meant to be on stage with me this morning. I was going to interview him about the work of New Life Care. New Life Care is quite simply just a bunch of people who are caring about other people in need. That's what New Life Care is about. And we wanted to highlight that as a church, the reason why we do New Life Care isn't because we think it's a nice idea. It's because we believe that God's called us to be on mission. But it's not Brett's job. That we're all called to be a church that cares. We're all called to, to move. And there, there are so many ways that we would love to invite you to be enrolled and, and participate in the ministry of New Life Care. In fact, if you just bring one piece of food one piece of non-perishable food to church and put it in a trolley out at the welcome desk, we can make sure that that food gets into the hands of those who need it. Why? Because we are a church who encourages and empowers each other to be on mission, whatever it looks like. That's why we do this stuff. But the truth is that sometimes things like New Life Care can be like, well, New Life Care is doing the work of God, and that's what it looks like for New Life to be on mission. That's true, but it's also not. Because New Life Care is how we corporately are on mission here on the Gold Coast. But we as individuals are also called to be on mission every single day. Leslie Newbigin would say it like this. I think that the deepest motive for mission is simply the desire to be with Jesus where he is. On the frontier between the reign of God and the usurped dominion of the devil. Now that's pretty scary language. Like, whoa, hey, I don't know if that's... But I think that's the reality we're stepping into. What does it mean to be a royal priesthood? A chosen generation, a holy nation, God's special possession? It means that tomorrow... Wherever you find yourself, that you are the very hands and feet of God in that moment. That right now, in this moment, I believe some of you are fighting a war. A war against loneliness. That there are people in your world that you know they need companionship and they need friendship. And that's where God's called you to be a royal priesthood. A holy nation, chosen generation, his special possession. There are some of you here today that are fighting unforgiveness in your family group, in your friendship group, and you're going, man, I don't know what it means. I believe God's positioned you and placed you in that moment to actually be on mission for his glory and the good of those in that situation, that you might be the one who declares the goodness of the one who calls you out of darkness into his glorious light. There are people here who are businessmen and women who God's called you to act with ethic, with, with, with a moral compass that points towards a kingdom, not the surrounding culture, because you're on mission. And the world is looking at you and God is pleading his case through you. There is a laborer here who tomorrow you're going to go serve someone. They're going to wonder, are you going to treat them like every other laborer? Or is there a difference to the way that you love and serve those you work with? There is a mother, there is a father, there is a doctor who need to recognize that a mission isn't something that someone with pastor has in front of their name. A mission isn't something we empower some people to do. If you are a follower of Jesus, we are on mission wherever we are. And I think it just looks like asking this question in every moment of our life. Hey, Jesus, what are you up to? And it's because of that question that I can't listen to music in Ubers anymore. I used to catch Ubers a little while ago, uh, two years ago. And I'm an introvert, for those of you who don't know. Stu Greenway, one of our leaders here, was talking to me last night and we got to spend some time there. He's like, I didn't realize how introverted you were. You aren't lying. I'm like, I've been telling people this for a while. I just really like time by myself. And when I'm hopping in an Uber, I get excited because I think I will just pop music in and just zone out from the world. And as I hopped in these Ubers like a couple years ago, I remember I popped my headphones in and I just sensed the Holy Spirit just say to me, 
who's driving you? I was like, I don't know. I didn't ask his name. I was like, exactly. That's my creation. And you're my royal priesthood. Right now, I might plead my case through you. So I'm like, oh, flip. Take my headphones out. And I met some great guys and girls, some great people. Guys, I didn't always, we didn't always talk about Jesus or the gospel. But there were these moments where this person just wanted to be connected with. So now... I can't ride in it. I don't actually catch Ubers that much. People are like, why is he catching Ubers all the time? I don't catch Ubers that much. But when I do, it's just like, well, God, hey, what are you doing in this moment? But the reason why I say this is, is that not all of our days? All of our day is filled with moments where we interact with baristas, where we interact with people, where there's someone in your world that may just need groceries this week, where someone might just need you to advocate for them. Maybe there's these microcosms of darkness that could use a microcosm of the kingdom of God. And then there are going to be other moments where we can actually step up and step into other moments. We, we provide relief to people overseas, where we go on mission and, and provide relief by hands and feet serving where we can. But there is no such thing as sometimes being on mission as a Christian. Friends, we are all called to go on mission for the glory of God and the good of the world. This is who we are. This is why we exist, to be a people who says, Jesus, why? what are you up to? Because by his blood, we have been set free. And by his spirit, we are sent into the world. Amen. This is why we're passionate about this as a church, that we did a whole series last year called Rework. Why? Because there is a perception in the church that church is just about what happens on Sundays. When I actually believe that if you are employed anywhere outside the church, then you're on the front lines of what the kingdom of God is doing in our world. And you need to hear that, that we need to be praying for you, whether you're a mother or a father, stay at home, a doctor, a teacher, a lawyer, a builder, a carpenter, or you're a university student, you are on the front lines of what the kingdom of God is doing. And the heaven is pleading its case through you. But the other hope that we have as a church is that we would plant communities of royal priesthoods. That we would plant people who are actually living in unique places and locations that start going, I am called here as a doctor to serve. When we planted Brisbane, we sent people, we raised people, we grew these disciples who are now on mission in the heart of Brisbane City, who are doctors and lawyers, businessmen and women who are going to the city being the hands and feet of God. When we planted New Life Kulungata, it's because we sensed the mission of God was stirring us and saying, hey, it's not about your comfort, it's about where am I sending you? And we sent Scott down to Kulungata. And this is why, friends, that we will always be a church passionate about planting churches. Not because we want to plant for the sake of planting, but because God continues stirring and is saying there's a new opportunity to send the people of God into the work of God that the kingdom of God might grow. And we're at another moment when we're ready to plant again. But this looks a little different. This is a church plant that we've not done before, but we've also kind of been doing for about six years now. So friends, to know more about what's about to happen next, we'd love you to watch the screen. Katie be judged by its seating capacity, but by its sending capacity. And here at New Life, we are passionate about this being the truth that drives our mission. We want to be known for sending ministry and marketplace leaders into the world to see more people more like Jesus. And this is the reason why we plant churches. In fact, we plant churches because we believe it's one of the most gospel effective ways to see more of Australia, more of our cities, more people becoming more like Jesus. And over the last four to five years, God has done amazing things through the New Life Church Plants. Three years ago, we planted New Life Brisbane in the heart of the CBD. And since then, we've seen God do incredible things. We've seen over 200 people come to find home at New Life. 
We've seen over 50 people start following Jesus. We've baptized handfuls of people, and we now find ourselves in a moment where over 90% of our church are invested in small groups and are committed to becoming more people, more like Jesus. We are so excited about what's to come and what God is gonna do next. We planted New Life Coolangatta in February 2020, just a couple of weeks before the pandemic started. But that didn't stop the Spirit of God. We've grown to over 200 people that call New Life Coolangatta home. We are seeing God draw people just from the streets every week. People just walk in to church for the first time to hear the gospel for the first time. And we believe, even though we are a church plant, that we are called to raise up the next generation of leaders, the next generation of church planters. What I love is that God is calling us to move again, to send again, to equip the best of new life, to go into the world to see more people more like Jesus. And we sense God calling us to go again. Six years ago, we began streaming our services online to reach more people with the good news of Jesus Christ than ever before. But we believe that in this era, something new is bubbling up, that the next community we plant will not be a physical location, but a global discipleship community that are passionate about more than just hearing the gospel, but about becoming more like Jesus. Friends, I'm so excited today to let you know that we are launching New Life Online as the next community of faith of the New Life family of churches. It's my delight to introduce you to our New Life Online pastor, Pastor Calvin Masson. I'm excited to be a part of this new adventure with New Life Online. COVID-19 has highlighted the value and the need for a digital ministry. And in our current climate, where technology is rapidly evolving to the point where people are joining online communities, we, New Life, have come to realize the importance of digital ministry. Churches need to adapt and we need to change. Not having one more important than the other, but having them equally important for different reasons. Digital ministry is limitless with the possibilities of reaching people for Jesus with no boundaries. With the old thinking of you come to us, digital ministry changes that thinking to we come to you. We believe that New Life Online will exist to provide an experience for people all around Australia and around the world with the ability to engage in genuine community unique volunteer opportunities, online small groups, and even in-person or online missional opportunities. Now we know that we've been streaming online for a while, but our hope here is to strengthen what God started six years ago and weave these people into community, into small groups that they too might go on mission into the world. But our church planting dreams do not stop there. We believe that God is calling us to continue to ask the question, where else shall we plant? And maybe God might be calling you which is why in 2022, we're really excited to begin taking steps towards launching the church planting residency at New Life, where we begin to train and form the next ministry leaders of future church plants of the New Life family of churches. That might be you. You might be called to be one of the next church planters at New Life. And we'd love to be asking you to pray and discern and think, hey God, are you calling me to consider what it means to step in and lead, to be trained and formed? for ministry, that more people might become more like Jesus. If that's the case, we would love to pray for you because we believe that our church will not be judged just by its seating capacity, 
but by its sending capacity. Not just sending church planters, but sending lawyers and doctors and fathers and mothers and builders and apprentices and architects that all people might know the gospel of Jesus Christ. Friends, we're so excited about the future that God is calling us into. And we're excited about the part that we all get to play. So I'm so excited to welcome, uh, and would you join with me as welcoming Pastor Calvin Masson. So Cal, we've, uh, we're just going to spend a moment just to talk about what this means. Now, Cal, we've been doing New Life streaming services for like six years now. What is shifting and what's changing about what we're about to do? Yeah, it's a great question, Mark. Well, to be honest, not much changes. But what we realize, or what we've come to realize is the mission doesn't change. The mission of seeing more people more like Jesus doesn't change. But the way of delivering that message or the way of getting that message out there does. So it might look different because we're going to be doing it online. We're doing it through digital resources. Um, but the mission doesn't change. The people that we reach don't change. Now we just don't have any limitations. So it's not about Gold Coast or it's not about Rabina. It's about Kulangata. It's about Brisbane. It's about other states. It's about other countries. It's about countries where we can't actually take the gospel into, but now we can because so many people have a mobile phone that they can connect with online ministries. And we've just come back from a conference um, discussing the value and the importance of having this method of getting the gospel out there. And it's, it's challenging to make that switch in your mind of going, no, but the, the Bible's about, you know, communities about coming together around God's word. But the way that things are changing in this 21st century We've got to adapt as well. In order to get the gospel out there, we have to adapt with the way the technology is changing. Yeah, yeah. And the idea is, is that they're just going to watch a service on Sundays, and that's pretty much it. It's like turn it on at 9, then jump off at 10.15. That, that's New Life Online. Awesome. So that's just one way of connecting. So it's not just New Life Online. So New Life Online is about doing pathways online. It's about doing Alpha online. It's about having small groups online. It's about doing prayer ministry online. So everything that we do in the room, everything that we do together, we'll do online. Yeah, wow, that's fantastic. And how can people be involved, Cal? What's... Great question. Thanks, Mark. So we, we want to grow our team. As our team grows and as our community grows, we know that there's so many people who call New Life Rabina home or New Life Brisbane or New Life Kulangata who still gather with us online. And that's absolutely awesome. We want that. But we also recognize that our community is growing of people who are maybe interstates or maybe unable to get to a physical church. Maybe they're disabled in some capacity and they're unable to travel to church, but now they can join with us and be a part of a community. And so if that's you, if you've got something on your heart going, I want to be a part of this team. I want to be a part of, 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 the, of the camera team or maybe switching. I've got Caleb at the back. We might be able to see them online. We've got our team that's growing and working really hard at the back. Can we see them? Joel, Norm, are you guys there? Probably not. No. Oh, there we go. Happen. You might see them pop up here in just a second. There we there go. You go. There we go. Give us a wave, guys. Awesome. So there's Norm. There's Joel. So they're busy controlling the cameras. They're busy controlling the sound. We've got Justine on, on the camera at the back over there. We've got Caleb on a roaming cam. We want to invite all of you, whether it's your sons and daughters or, or you as parents or individuals, to be a part of this team. Justine's 14-year-old son is going to be joining our team on one of the cameras. So there, there's no limitation again to age. In fact, the younger the more they can probably teach us when it comes to tech. So how you get involved is if you scan that QR code in front of you or you scan your QR code um, or a link will appear in the chat, the connect with us form. You'll see that on that QR code or you'll see the link in the chat as well. Fill out that, um, that form and we'll love to connect with you. So it's a connect with us form. It's amazing. You know, we've actually been approached by a philanthropic group who have seen what we're doing 
and said, we actually want to invest in this. And they're going to provide us a whole bunch of new technology and gear just because they're like, we see you guys doing some really innovative stuff online and we want to put as much fuel on that as we can. So God is being so gracious and generous to us. Right now, friends, there are more people joining us online than there are in the room. Um, So when you see Caleb down here with a camera, he's not running our social media. That's not going to Instagram to build our profiles. This is people connecting with God, the church, and the gospel. And, um, and, and God is doing a new thing. You know what I wanted to do? I wanted to pray for Cal and the team. Would you, um, would you join with me as we pray? Gracious God, we come before you right now and we, we hold this humbly. God, the, the mission never changes. The message never changes. Our Savior never changes. But the way, the strategy, well, we are open to you leading us into what it looks like to be effective for your gospel and the good of the world. And so we pray right now for our online community. We pray right now for Calvin and the team. I pray, God, that there would be something beautiful and unique that happens here, that we see more people respond to the gospel. We see people stepping into baptism. We see people stepping into faith and into mission in Jesus' name. Lord, that we would see us go further than we've gone before because of the blessing of technology and being used for your glory. I pray you'd lead us with wisdom and discernment. May we not fall into the trap of reflecting the world, but may we reflect your kingdom in everything that we do. Give Cal an anointing to lead, Father. May he be bold and innovative in, in how he thinks and moves and breathes and fire. Pray to protect him and his family in this season as well. And Lord, we look forward to all you're about to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Guys, can we thank Cal for being up here with us? And would you stand across the room? You know, part of the reason why I wanted to tell you this, because we believe that the mission's always going to be pushing us forward, always going to be pushing us out. Whether you're online right now or whether you're in the room, the question that we should ask is not just, hey, you know, can I help out Cal and New Life Online? No, the most important question is this. What story are you living? What story are you living? And I'll drill down a little further. Let me ask this. Where are you on mission? Where are you on mission? Peter writes to a church, haggard and worn, struggling. And he says, you're being woven into the greatest rescue mission of all time. Friends, you are a royal priesthood. You're a chosen generation. You're a holy nation. You are God's special possession. Why? Why does he declare this identity over you? Because you have been saved and redeemed to be sent on purpose. Why? To declare the goodness of the one who called you out of darkness into his glorious light. You were once not a people, but now you are a people. We are the people of God. And we're on mission with God. So friends, what story are you a part of? Where are you on mission? Would you join with me as we pray? Holy Spirit, we just create a moment right now. What are you saying to us? You know, just in this moment, we just create some space for the Holy Spirit to speak. And and we just, we test out some stuff. And I just get a sense in my heart that there's some people gathered with us today or, or online. And when we're talking about workplaces, there's, there's a sense of um, a grief or sadness there that um, you haven't been using that moment. 
that it's not been a place where you've seen it as a mission field, but merely just as a job. And I sense there's someone here, God's just stirring and saying, I've placed you and positioned you that I might plead through you. Hey, if that's you in this room, would you just open your hands in front of you right now? If that's you, I just want to pray for you in a moment. Sense there's someone else here today who you've forgotten the mission of God and Christianity's become boring. It's become a placeholder for Sunday mornings and nothing more. And I sense God's wanting to teach you what adventure looks like again. What it means to be a part of the greatest rescue mission of all time. If that's you, I just wonder, would you just open your hands before you right now? Holy Spirit, I just pray for people who are responding. God, we have not been saved to be seated. You have saved us to send us into the world. Lord, we don't need to be, we don't need to go to the next church plant to be sent. We just need to wake up tomorrow and go to work. So Father, wherever we find ourselves this week, I pray for those who haven't been on mission, who have been ashamed or maybe just haven't used their life for a witness. Father, would you redeem and restore, forgive, but also give them new ideas of practical ways they can show the love of God in their moment, in their workplace, in their family. I pray for those who are weary and tired of the faith. God, grant them a new vision for the future. That, Lord, you have called them to be your hands and feet of justice and goodness in the world. And Lord, I just pray now for those who do not think they're part of your story yet, who feel like life is untethered from calling and purpose, who feel meaningless, who feel like there's, this, there's no hope and they play no role. God, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, you would reveal yourself to them. They would repent and turn and come to saving faith in Jesus. That they might be woven into the great story of God as part of your people on mission with you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Just love you to stay in this moment. I'm just going to sing a, a song called Build My Life. Just had to check that that was the right song. And this song just says, I will build my life. I'll build my life on the things of God. And so as we sing, as we worship, I wonder if you'll just sing this out over each other, sing this out over those joining us in line, that we'd make a bold declaration. And then we're going to finish today by singing a song about the church called King of Kings, which actually declares that we are on mission with a good God. So God, we just ask, would you come move in a new and unique way, transform our hearts and lives, that we would join the Missio Day of God. We join the mission of God. In Jesus' name, let's worship.